0: I uh, want to give it up for the band real quick. Would you guys give it up for those guys? Yeah. We are, uh, I know you guys know this, but we're blessed with some amazing folks that play and sing and, and, and run the stuff back there as well. Wow. And uh, they're always on stage, but they don't always get any love. Do you know what I'm saying? And they're not up here to, to get love, they're here to, to give love upwards. But uh, I just like to give those guys love Uh, because we got some amazing folks, and uh, just thank you. I'm really, really grateful to those guys. And I know you guys know how hard it is to get here on the first Wednesday, but they came here an hour and a half before you did. So, yeah, props to them. That's all I'm saying. And uh, uh, Jamie, Pastor Jamie, our our worship leader, he's got like some kind of infection, and so he asked Jeremiah, Pastor Jeremiah, yesterday, and he jumped in. So props to you, Pastor Jeremiah, for uh, leading us in worship tonight. Always uh, love those guys. Uh, I'm going to say a couple things before I say my thing, if I can do that. Uh, First of all, let me say, if you weren't here Sunday, uh, man, I I don't even know what to tell you. It was awesome. Uh, It was just good. It was just good. Uh, Largest crowd I think we've ever had outside of the Easter's that we do. Um, uh, uh, Over 800, I think 820 on Sunday, which is pretty awesome pretty awesome you know we've done we've got some 800s before but um not in November you're not supposed to do that in November if you're at least if you're us you like it's like we, we start to go downhill in November every every year but um you guys were here and you brought a lot of friends and and then not only that but um we have this thing we do called growth track uh, once a month and um we've never had 33 before at growth track which was awesome <laughs> as well um, so, um, 33 people who want to connect to our church, or who are part of our church but haven't really connected and wanted to get connected. So, just an amazing day. Um, the The at the movie series is is a really cool series. And by the way, this week uh, is Veterans Day this weekend, and so yeah, we're gonna honor our vets, and we're gonna do we're gonna do a war we're gonna do a war war movie. I don't know what y'all are doing, but it feels right. I don't, I, it feels right. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know what that means, but I like it. Y'all yeah, do that when I preach from now on. All right, now it's good. Uh, yeah, um, but we're gonna do um, a movie this weekend called Hacksaw Ridge. Did anybody see this movie? Yeah. Uh, good movie. Good movie. And um, and so we're gonna we're gonna teach from that as a, we're gonna use that as a backdrop. The following week we're gonna do an older movie, one of my favorite movies called Inception. Um, if you didn't see that, Christopher Nolan, really great flick. Um, The sermon might be better. That's all I'm saying. Um, And then the next weekend we're gonna do um, just an amazing movie called Coco. Uh, If you didn't see Coco, um, you're laughing, but it's a great movie. You know what I'm saying? It's it's animated, but it's good, especially if you're from San Antonio like I am. You're born and raised here. It's burro. You know what I'm saying? It's awesome. Anyway, so I don't know what that means. Hope I didn't just cuss because it's all kind of. I only know Spanish cuss words generally speaking, but um. It's pure, man. It's it's re- They really got it right. And uh, and uh, so, yeah, we're going to do that. And that's going to be family Sunday. We're going to bring all the kids in here except for the nursery kids because none of y'all want the nursery kids in here. You know what I'm saying? The parents of the nursery kids are like, please don't kill that or we won't come. Um, and uh, because it's cocoa, we're going to serve cocoa. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know why, but it just felt right. You got to... Anyways, uh, it's going to be fun. Um, so... A lot of fun coming up, and then we're going to do one more Christmas movie, uh, which is still undetermined because I have so many that I want to do. Um, but that's going to happen. Hey, and, and i got to say this to you guys, one one thing. I, I meant to say it Sunday and forgot to. Sunday, that is December the 9th, um, is going to be a very special day. We call it Legacy Sunday. We um, started this just last year. Um, we've always done something like this, but we didn't call it Legacy until last year. And what we're going to do on that day is celebrate what God's done at LifePoint Church this year. Um, we're going to give you some, some, some things that have happened, some stories that have happened. But also, we're going to look to the future. And uh, we take a once-a-year offering on that day. Um, don't get nervous. It's not tonight. Um, and there's no pressure at all to give. But it's over and above whatever normal tithe and offering is for you, whatever your rhythm is. Um, and it's given to make a, a difference uh, in, in people's lives right here in San Antonio and literally around the world. This is a, we, we just did a series called Legacy where we, we talked about um, giving to something, being part of something that will outlive you. Um, and it's a great opportunity for all of us to give whatever God puts on our heart to accelerate the vision. Here's what we know about churches in general, but for sure here, is that our vision um, is always is never outpaced. Let me, how do I say this best? Um, our vision is uh, often outpacing the provision. Does that make sense? Meaning we have dreams to do things that we cannot do, um, because of provision, but we will always we will never try to take our vision past where we can afford to do. Does that that's just good sense, right? And so there are some things that we want to do to to serve our city, to serve our world that we don't have provision to do, and so that's where legacy offering comes in. And so I, I know I, I love how this offering makes a difference, but you know there's something special about giving a gift. Uh, during the Christmas season, right? seems counterintuitive. Well, we, don't you know how much money we're already spending? All of it is being spent on everything but Jesus. You ever notice that? It's his birthday, but we're like, everybody gets a gift, but Jesus, the Savior of the world, who came to die for us and was born in a manger. Anyways, um, uh, it's his birthday. And so I love, I love the idea that we start off that season by giving um, to him first. And I love what it teaches our kids, um, at least my kids. I love what it means Um, to him. And I love how it touches the world around us. So let's do it. Sunday, December the 9th. um, We don't have a financial goal. We just have a participation goal. And that is simply that we're hoping everybody does whatever they can, do something. Does that make sense? We're not not saying, here's the big number that we're shooting for. I'm not going to do that. We're just saying, hey, everybody between now and December the 9th, pray and ask God what your family should do. And and, and give whatever the Lord speaks to you about that. Um, And ask God what part you might play. And then just do whatever God says. And remember, you're not giving to life point. You're giving through life point. Because what we're going to do is take that, those resources and use them not here. Uh, the only thing we want to do here, if we can do it, is to buy new equipment and cameras so that we can get what happens in here out there in a much better way. What we're doing now is good if we were three years old, but not when we're 10 years old. we got to do better, and we want to do that. But, but we're, we're, we have, we've, a lot, we've said, okay, if this much money comes in, uh, $5,000 is going to this organization, you know, ha- however it comes in, we're going to break it out and do awesome things with it that you're going to be proud of, most of which we're going to hope to catch on film so that you can see us give it to those people. And and, and again, just so you know, and, and this is the home chickens on Wednesday night, so that's why I don't do this on Sunday, this kind of stuff. I will probably say something about this on Sunday, but not like this. Um, you guys give tens of thousands of dollars every year to organizations here in, in the San Antonio area. And we've really felt convicted over the last few years um, to support tr- support organizations that are gospel-centric. We didn't always do that. We would work with schools, still do. But we really, really want to put our eggs in the basket of organizations that are, that are that are Christ-centered and are sharing the love of Jesus and the gospel and at the same time doing good works. Does that make sense? So that's kind of been our heart. And really what God's convicted us about is in the past, we've tried to sort of do things that... Uh, and not, not, not intentionally highlight LifePoint, and we don't, we're not going to do that anymore. We're finding organizations that we trust that are doing good works, and we want to do things in such a way that they're the heroes in their community where they're serving, not us. Nobody's going to know who we are. We don't care that anybody knows who we are. We want them to win so that more people will come to Jesus because they're reaching those people in their neighborhoods just like we're trying to do the, the, the job in our neighborhood. Does that make sense, everybody? So um, that's what we're going to do. And, and so you're giving through LifePoint, and, and we're going to make a big difference with what you give. Zero pressure. Just pray. That's all we're asking. Uh, can I get a good amen on that, everybody? All right. Let me, uh, let me teach um, tonight for a little while. Then the band's going to come back and sing a song. We're going to do some communion if you want to. I'm going to try my best to get done in time so that we don't leave you late, and I'll skip stuff if I have to. Several years ago, I read a book by a pastor named Craig Rochelle, whom I admire a lot. Um, he wrote a book called Practical Atheist. And in this book, he described the, the modern church and kind of where we're getting some things wrong. And it convicted me then, and we taught from it. And we, it's been probably seven years, eight years ago when we did this. Um, and lately, God's been dealing with me this, this same material again. And not necessarily for you. Um, but for me, and kind of, Danny, where are you at on this? And a lot of times, what I teach on Wednesdays is a direct result of what God is doing in my heart, in my life, what He's kind of pressing in on me. And I did this last; those of you who were here last Wednesday, I was kind of, I was kind of very frank. You know, what I'm. Saying? I don't know if you guys remember that. I was like, whoa. You know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, I, so it's going to be like that a little bit again. And um, so um, this, this, he, he gave several chapters about. Um, what a practical atheist looks like. And, and one of them particularly uh, convicted me for our church, and that is that I believe in God, but I don't know him. I believe in God, but I don't know him. And that's where I want to go tonight. So if you have your Bible, 2 Timothy, this is a letter that Paul wrote to his son in the gospel, Timothy. He wrote two of them, uh, at least, um, and this is the second one. And he says in chapter 3, and it's this very... Um, it's it's a, prophetic, it's a prophetic word, meaning he's describing what's going to look like someday, but not yet. And, and if you read this, I think you're going to see that we're living in this time, all right? Here he goes. He says, but mark this, verse one, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Anybody know what I'm saying? They will be lovers of money. They will be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Don't say amen, all right? Ungrateful unholy, without love. Um, Some translations would say uh, unnatural affections, right? Um, Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. That's the political season. Can I get an amen on that, right? Not lovers of good, treacherous. I have braces, man, and I can't say words nowadays. (laughs) I really didn't notice how bad it was until I watched myself on Sunday. I was like, I have a... I'm slurring all my words, and I have a new lisp that I didn't know I had until now. You're welcome. Um, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, meaning these people are not like, like the worst of the worst out in the world. These are people who would say, I believe in God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with them. Paul says that there's going to come a time where there are people who, who even go to church um, and even have a form of, of godliness, or, or I'd say even a form of Christianity, but don't really know God, they love pleasure more than they love God. They love doing life in their own way, in their own realm, in their own wisdom, apart from the scriptures. They don't care really what the scriptures say. Um, and they, they, love, they love that lifestyle more than they love God. So several years ago, there was a Gallup poll. That said, that some 94% of Americans believe in God or a, a, some sort of universal spirit. I would say the numbers probably lower now, um, but regardless, most Americans believe in some kind of deity, right? Some God, but most don't know the one true living God. Um, too, too many would say, "I believe in God, but I'm going to continue the way to live the way that I always have. I want enough of God to keep me out of hell." And enough of God to get me into heaven, but not enough that it makes me change my lifestyle because at its root, I believe in God, but I don't really fear God in, in the fact that I'm going to do what he says, right? We know this, right? I'll serve God, but I'm not going to stop sleeping with my girlfriend. Uh, I'm going to go to church, but there's no way anybody's going to get me to tithe, right? 10%, do you know how much money that is, my brother? No way am I going to do that, Right? I told you I'm going to preach all over the place. I say stuff that I might not say on Sundays. Anyways, I'm going to serve God, but I'm going to entertain myself however I want to. I am a practical atheist. I believe God, but I live as though he doesn't exist. Right? So, So that's what a practical atheist is. Just as Craig Groeschel, he coined this phrase. He says, somebody who believes in God but lives as if he doesn't exist. Right? So Titus, this is Paul again, he's writing, and he says in chapter 1, verse 16, he says, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. Right? Oh, yeah, I'm a Jesus guy. I love God. But by their actions, which speak louder than their words, they're denying him. They believe in him, but their actions would say to the, to the world around them that he doesn't exist Which is why, for a lot of people who are not believers, they don't take believers seriously because they realize your life doesn't look any different than mine. Why would I want what you have when what you have hasn't done anything for you, apparently? Do you see what I'm saying? So some of you are like, man, I could have stayed home and watched. (laughs) Shouldn't even a TiVo that? Is TiVo a thing or DVR? I should have just stayed home, right? Many would say then, well, Danny, but I believe in God, and doesn't that take care of everything? Danny, I've heard you say that I need to believe in God, and then I'll be saved. I'm better than most. I believe in God. A lot of people um, don't even believe in God, so I must be doing better than them. Believing in God is awesome as a starting point, but it's not all that God wants from us. The book of James says that even the demons believe in God and have fear, and they tremble because they know what's coming to them. They know what their end is. They're separated from him. Obviously, if even the demons believe in God, there must be something more that God wants from me, right? And not, not in terms of my salvation, but in terms of I'm saved, now what, right? I've given my life to Jesus, well, I'm not supposed to sit on the bench the rest of my life and go, hey, thanks for saving me, right? There's something, I kind of felt like I lost part of my man card the way I just did that. Uh, Sorry. Uh, As a pastor, though, I see this, I've seen it in my own life, but I see it even to a greater degree in a lot of folks, even who call this home, and it concerns me. Because of some passages that I'm going to give you. It concerns me when folks come to church for year after year and year, but their lives aren't really changing. And I'm going, wait a minute, what, what are we doing wrong here? Like Because people are still doing the same old stuff that they did before they were saved. And it feels like there's supposed to be some transformation. It just feels like there is. Because there are so many Christians who say, they believe in God, and yet they want to play by their own rules. They have a, which is what we described at the last first ones, they have a buffet Christianity. I'm just going to go through the line and pick the stuff I like and leave the other stuff out. Like, I like some of what Jesus said, but some of it's like, I don't want to do that. It's like, surely he didn't really mean that. So I'm going to leave that and go for the filet, and I'm not going to eat the, the salmon because it smells weird to me right here, right? And that's kind of a buffet, just picking and choosing the parts we like, leaving out the stuff we don't. They're not going to let God impact their persona, their everyday lives, how they live their lives, how they make decisions. So tonight we're going to talk about really knowing God right? We're going to talk about three levels of knowing God. And as we break this down, my hope is that you'll identify where you're at on these three levels and go, you know what, God, what do you want from me so that I can go to the next level? Not, not because I the next level of salvation, because that not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about growing and maturing in faith. Everybody with me? That's all we're talking about tonight. So the first one is this. Some people believe in God, but they don't know him at all, right? I'll give you an example. I first met my wife Rachel about 27 years ago I was only three at the time and she was kidding she was 15 and I was 19 all right I was a cradle robber anyways I had a girlfriend at the time so I noticed that she was cute and because she was my my daughter's age I just thought about that dear God I just kind of fried my own circuitry right there So I noticed that she was cute, but that was it. We struck up a bit of a friendship and that I would see her at certain things, and I'd say hi, but we didn't really know each other. And this is kind of how people are with God. They know a little bit about him. They had a meeting with him one day when they were in their teenagers at a camp and raised their hand at the end of it, but they don't really know him. They've never learned more about him since that day he's not really on their radar so much. Later on with Rachel, things changed. About, about five, I don't know, five, six years later, I was newly single, went to an event where she was. She came and sat by me, and I was like, holy cow, God, nice work. You know what I'm saying? Because um, she was no longer 15, and now I was like, well, praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? She was definitely on my radar. We dated but again, at that season of my life, because I was newly single, I wasn't ready to make a firm commitment. I was gun shy from my past relationship. Again, this is how some people handle God. I believe in you. I think you're great. But I'm not ready to settle down yet. There are still some strings attached. And in other words, you know, if, if, if I don't have anything else going on, God, um, I might kind of try to get to know you. And if some scary bad things start to happen in my world, I will definitely give you a holler you know, but I'm not going to let you cramp my style at this point in my life. There are some things that I just don't want you in on as it relates to my life. I want to compartmentalize my faith, and I don't want you part of all of it. After a while, I I determined, and thank God, she agreed that she was the one for me, and I was the one for her. We dated for a year and a half, and then we got married. Now, during our dating years, she lived in Beaumont, Texas, which I I saved her from that place, Um, and I, I lived here in San Antonio. We saw each other on occasion, we talked daily, often for hours at a time, which was outside of my comfort zone on every pod. I don't really enjoy the phone at all. We were really getting to know each other, and I'll say sort of. Because we got married, we went on our honeymoon, we took a car- Caribbean cruise, it was our first cruise, and several months passed, and then we decided one night, hey, we should go look at the videos that we took from our cruise. And we just started laughing so hard, because we looked at those pictures and those videos of those two little kids that got on that ship, and we realized... We didn't really know each other at all because we'd been dating from, from far apart. But now after 20 years of marriage, I'm really growing to know her. I know her, know her. You know what I'm saying? I know her smell. I know her voice. If I hear her heels clicking on a hard surface, I know it's her heels, it's her steps, I know how she walks, I know whether it's her coming or not. Now maybe you think I'm a stalker, but that's just how it after 20 years, and some of you been you know you know him, right? And there's this growing intimacy. And I don't know everything about her because we're still growing. And yet I do know her very intimately. And, and, and that's how some of us are with God today. We know God, we've experienced God, and we're growing closer and closer and closer to God. So a lot of people believe in God, but they don't really know him. And you may say, well, isn't that enough? I mean, I believe in God. That's good. It's an amazing place to start, as we've already said. There are a lot of people that are Christians today, and I would call them cultural Christians. Their parents raised them up to believe in God. They went to church when they were young a few times a year, like Christmas and Easter, you know what I'm saying? And that's kind of it. Um, just, just, I'm just curious. Anybody, that's how your story was. You just kind of went on Christmas and Easter. You maybe went to a midnight mass. All of you, Okay, yeah. All right, so you know what I'm saying. Um, Rach had somebody tell her this exact, this exact thing one day. She, this person said to her, we don't go to church, but I have a relationship with God, and that's all that matters. And they said, she said, My husband and I, we don't need the social part of religion, which is what going to church is. We just want to rest and be with our family, and really that's as close to God as you can get. And we were like, Hmm, you know, I... I, I kind of see where you're going, but I think that there's more to it and they don't quite get it. I believe in God, but these people often don't know him and what happens then is their actions reveal a lack of knowledge of God. The way that they live their life reveals they don't really know God. 1 John 2 breaks this down, right? Here's what John says. He says, we, verse 3, we know that we have come to know him, would you say this with me? If we obey his commands, Right? And then he says, the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. See, now, when I read that verse, I'm like, that's a problem. If I'm a pastor and I'm trying to get people to grow in their faith and I'm going, but people are liars if they're not doing it. That's what John said. Don't hate me. Hate John. You know what, <laughs> what I'm saying we can recognize that we know him if and that's a big if. We obey his commands. And there are many Christians out there with whom there is no outward evidence that God has changed their life in the Bible. They take it literally. And so the Bible says for those folks, they're liars. Right. You're like, man, I should have stayed home. I should have stayed home. Right. It may not be that they're intentionally lying. I don't think anybody. I'm not accusing you of any of this. Right. Right. They may be lying to themselves, but the scripture says they don't, they don't have the truth. They don't understand the truth. The reality is that there are a lot of people who know something about God. They know about him, but they don't know him know him. You know what I'm saying? There, there are people that can quote Bible verses, and I, I've noticed this, particularly the ones that seem to support the way they live. Come on, can I get a good amen on that? They have some head knowledge, but they totally lack a heart relationship. And the th- sad thing is there's going to be a lot of people who might miss knowing God by about 18 inches. Right? A bit of knowledge here, but none that's that's made its way here. In fact, to me, one of the most sobbing verses in all of the Bible, and this is the one that really jacks with me, is found in Matthew. These are the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter seven. Part of the great I mean part, part of the, the Sermon on the Mount. Not, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does what? The will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles? Now, maybe for some of you, we'd go, I have never done any miracles. I've never prophesied. I never drove out any demons. I don't want to drive out any demons. You know what I'm saying? But maybe for you, in American culture, they'd say, hey, didn't we go to Sunday school when we were kids, Jesus? And didn't we say a prayer at that one teen camp? Didn't we throw some money in the box every now and then? Didn't we believe in you? Weren't we nice, moral, non-evil people? Didn't we do some generally good things? And Jesus says to them in response, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Harsh. You know I'm saying that's Harsh. How can he say he never knew them, right? He knows everything. A lot of times when you see this word know in, in the Bible or knew or know, it's referring to intimacy. The, the, like, l- let me make this re- really rated PG. It would say something like, the man went into the bedroom and knew his wife. I'm going to leave it there. That word is similar here in that it's describing intimacy, right? Which some people would say the word intima- intimacy means into me see, you see what I'm saying? A little play on words there. Anyways, he's saying he never knew them. There was no intimacy. There was no relationship. There was no heart involved um, in what they were doing, even though they were doing it ostensibly. These guys were doing good things. They were doing it ostensibly for God. And he's like, you didn't do it for me. You did it for you. Right, I, I believe there are some 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 really good people who believe in God but do not know Him personally, who, who who came to faith, raised their hand, gave their life to Jesus, and never moved past that. Right? Some of you, you're going to have to admit that maybe that's you. And if you are, just let's own that. Let's own that. That that's maybe where I'm at right now. You believe in Him, but He's not the driving force behind everything you do. Not even close. There's no intimacy. Right? There is no relationship. You're a good person. You believe in him, but you don't know him. If that's you, acknowledge it, and I believe the Spirit of the Lord is going to transform your life just in the, say, in, in the act of you going, I think that's me. Yeah. Nobody's here to condemn. Nobody's here to put you in hell. Nobody's doing that, okay? But if that's you, own it, right? There's another group that I want to talk to just for a moment, and, and I believe this is the category that most of us would identify with, and that would be those who believe in God and they know him but they don't yet know him well, right? They believe in God and they do know him and kind of, sort of, but not really. They've, they've not yet attached a passion to their quest to know God. Like, like I'm, I'm hungry is the old sort of way we used to say it. I'm thirsty for more of God. I want to know him. I want to be in his presence. I want to feel him. I want to have this incredible encounter with God. I want that in my life. And and it drives them past showing up and punching their time clock on a Sunday to say, I went to church. It drives their decisions during the week. Let me give you an example. How many of you know who George Gervin is? Anybody know who, you know who that is? If you grew up here and you don't know him, you're fired. You're fired. You know what I'm saying? A little Trump there. When, when I was a kid, he, he was the San Antonio Spurs, right? He, before Tim Duncan, before David Robinson, before Tony Parker and Manu, he was the only guy that we were proud of, Right? He was a legend. He became a Hall of Famer. He led the league in scoring several years. Serious ball player. And when I would play basketball by myself, and I would, and if you're, you grew up playing ball, you did this, where you would play against people in your mind. And I would always pick, I was George Gervin, And that guy was over there. The imaginary guy was Larry Bird or Magic Johnson or, you know, at the very end of his career, Michael Jordan. Um, but I was always George Gervin. Now, I went to college here locally after seminary. I came back and went to college, and I was working um, at Sonterra Country Club, which is a kind of swank country club. Well, George Gervin was a member there because at, the, at least during that season, all the Spurs had free memberships there. The rest of us, uh, not me, had to pay like $45,000 or whatever it was, some crazy amount of money. So occasionally, um, he, would, he would never hardly play golf. He would just go to the range, and so he would ask me to come with him occasionally. He would pick one of the guys that worked on the range and, hey, come down here with me. I, I just want you to stay with me and me only. And so I'd do that. I'd set him up put all the balls down there and make sure he had what he needed. And we would just talk, and he would always want to hang out. And he'd be telling me what's going on inside with the Spurs organization, and he would, he would be taking shots at whoever our coach was at the time. This was pre-pop. And who they should have drafted, et cetera, et cetera. For a 23-year-old dude, this was like next-level cool stuff because this is my idol, and I'm getting to put balls down on the floor for the man to hit, right? So maybe y'all don't think that's cool, but I was 23. It was awesome, Right. And I would tell people, dude, I know the Iceman. I hang out with the Iceman, right? Me and George are like this. Now, I'm over here. I'm over here, but I didn't need to tell them that I was over there, right? But truth be told, if I walked up to him today, I saw him at a Spurs game last year. He looks very different than he used to back in the day. You know what I'm saying? A lot of weight added there. Anyways, um, but if I was like, George, my man, what's up? M- remember me? He'd be like, security, come over here. This brother away from me, right? And this would describe a lot of people. I do know God. I've had some interaction with God, but I couldn't say I know him well, if I'm being honest. There was a little bit of that going on in Galatia when, the, when Paul wrote this letter to some people who knew God, but not well enough to not, listen to me now, not well enough to not get sucked back into the weak and miserable principles of legalism, of religion, So here's what he says in chapter 4, verse 8. He says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, and then notice this, or rather, are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Now notice how at the first the front of verse nine he corrects himself. But now that you know God, and then he goes, mm. by their behavior, by their actions, by the way they're living their lives, they obviously don't know him, so he changes it to, you actually are known by God. I can't give you the benefit of the doubt there. You, you know God, but not, a, not well enough that he's impacted your life so deeply that, you have, that you've chosen to walk back into the mess you came out of, Right? That, that held you enslaved before. In this case, it was legalism, religiousness. But for some of us, it's not that because we didn't know Jesus and we came out of, out of darkness, out of the world, out of sin. And now some of us are going, eh, I kind of like some of that stuff. I'm gonna go back over there and do some of that. And he says, now that you know God, or rather, mm, you're known by God, how is it that you're turning back? Maybe you had an experience with it. Maybe you prayed and asked Jesus to transform your life and you kind of have basic understanding and maybe... Maybe there was a time when you felt really close to him, but not so much now. He's not the leader, and he's not the driver of your life. You have some knowledge, but the knowledge that you know has not yet transformed you. And what I could say is this. You've been informed by God or about God, but not transformed by him. Right? You're informed, but you're not transformed. You know him like I knew George but you haven't been radically, fanatically changed by him. There's no real forward in your progress in your relationship with him. If you were to say, how far have I made it since I was first saved? Some of you would have to be honest and go, not very far, right? right? You're not growing. My question is to, is to you, what am I going to do about it and what are you going to do about that? Th- there's a third group and this is my prayer that all of you would grow to this point and that would be those who believe in God, who know him intimately And serve him wholeheartedly. I believe in him. I know him. And as a result of my knowing him intimately, he has transformed my life to where I'm saying, God, would you please take my life and use it for your name and for your fame? It's not about me. It's about you. What would you have me do? Like, get to that. You believe in God. You know him intimately. And you serve him wholeheartedly. What does it mean to know God intimately and to serve him wholeheartedly. To be honest, I've been in these places before, and then life happens, and I've just sort of lost ground. Does, does anybody know what I'm saying? Where I thought there was a, man, you remember, Danny, back in the day when you, would, you could pray for an hour, you could come out and be like, get the devil up in my way, I'll bust him right in his eye, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not really, come on, somebody, I don't want to. Anyways, um, but, but then I, but, but, but I lost some ground. But when I'm, at, when I'm at that place, and I've been there a lot of times in my life, I'm much more aware of God being with me during the day. Not, not just at church, not just when I'm singing good songs, but in my day and day-out life, guiding me, leading me, even speaking to me sometimes, not audibly, but just, oh yeah, that definitely wasn't me, right? Like Because all of a sudden, he'll put people in my pathway, and they'll ask me hard questions that I don't really know the answer to but I'll give them something profound. And I'm like, I'm really smart. And then I'll be, oh, yeah. No, God just spoke through me right there because I'm not very smart. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm actually walking with God. And it's not like I'm like me and George. Like, man, me and George are like this. But I'm over here. You know what I'm saying? It's not like that at all. It's like this is me and God. And I'm, and I'm, and, and I, and I'm walking with him and I'm talking to him. And it's this ongoing conversation throughout my day and in times when it's sort of casual and laid back, but other times where frankly it's deep and I'm on my knees and I'm in my quiet place and I'm just overwhelmed in the presence of God. And I know, I know that he's with me. And I know, not just intellectually that he's for me, I sense him. I feel him. He's empowering me. He's equipping me. He's preparing me. And I've had those moments and then I've Lost that because I let life happen. That he speaks through his spirit and somehow my spirit... Is connected to him, and I can hear it. And he speaks through other people, and he speaks through circumstances. And there's this, there's this, there's this awareness that as the day uh, goes on, that God is orchestrating things, and God is sending people into my life. And and there are times when I'm about to say the wrong thing, and so the Spirit prompts me, and I stop. And there are other times where I go on, and I ignore doing the right thing, and the Spirit stops me and prompts me to go back and undo what I just did and say I'm sorry for what I just said or what I just did. And that's what it looks like to walk with God. Galatians 5, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. It's just just intimate walking. It's not scary. It's not weird. It's not far out. It's just, this is how we do life. Just like with your wife, just like with your husband. We just do life. We don't always talk. We're not always in the car, just blabbing at each other the whole time, but we're deeply connected, even in the silence. Psalm 63 You can really see the intimate knowledge that David has with God. And I gotta wrap this up. Come to the music and let me pretend like I'm ending. All right, here we go. He says, and this is one of my favorite Psalms. I think I'm gonna preach about this next year. I'm gonna do a whole thing from this. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You ever felt like that spiritually? Like, I'm dry. I don't feel anything. Everybody else has moved. People are crying. I got nothing, right? This is what he's saying. He says, I've seen you in the sanctuary. There have been moments, God, where I knew I knew you, and I, had, I experienced you, and I beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than what? It's better than living. So my lips will... Glorify you. And I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. And I will give you praise and I will give you glory. Because I've seen you. I've seen your power. I've seen your glory. And it has marked my life so much that when I don't see that, when I don't feel like that, it causes me to earnestly seek you. You know, we have this prayer thing on Wednesday mornings and there's about 10 or 11 people that come. Sometimes there's just three, or today there was four. But I'm looking at those people, I'm going, yeah. They may not stay but 10 or 15 minutes, but I've watched them. I've watched God move on their lives. They don't know it, and they're feeling like I'm a stalker now, those of you who are here. But I've seen God, I've seen them just have a moment with God that I promise you they wouldn't trade for an extra 20 minutes or 30 minutes of sleep. I'm, I'm earnest, God. I want to know you. And your love is better than life. I got to skip some stuff. Let me ask you this. How how well do you know God? What's the level of those three that you're on? I, I will tell you this, that what you call him could reveal the depth of your intimacy or your lack of intimacy. Those of you those who know your name, right? By by what names do you call God? I'll give you an example. Um, Occasionally this happens to me. Somebody will call me on the phone and say, is this Mr. Rivera? And I'm like, no, it's Rivers. Close. That guy don't know me. You know what I'm saying? Or like yesterday I was at Starbucks and they spelled my name D-A-N-I. That's a girl version. I got two N's and a Y. You don't know me. You don't know me. You know what I'm saying? The the way you talk to me reveals um, the fact that you don't know me. Like some of you will call me Pastor Danny. Chances are you you know a little bit about me. You know me enough that you're like, you know, I'm going to call that guy Pastor because he's my pastor. You you know what I do. Maybe you've heard me preach, and then there's some knowledge of, of me because the name reveals a certain depth of knowledge about what I do, right? If you call me Danny, though, or better yet, if you call me Daniel, which only my mother and my brothers and sisters are allowed to do, um, there's even a deeper, deeper level. There, there are some other people in my life who climb up on my lap, rub my face and say, you need to shave. And When they were young, they used to say, your breath smells like you've been eating poop tarts. All that kind of stuff. And they call me, they call me, they call me Daddy. And they know me so much better than even those who call me Danny. The name reveals the intimacy. What do you call God? Big guy in the sky? Dear eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, right? You don't know him yet, right? The name reveals the intimacy. There there are those of you, though, listen now, lean in for just a second. There are those of you, when you pray, you call him your healer, because he's healed you. You don't know about his healing. You've experienced him. And so, God, you are my healer. There are some of you, you call him your comforter because you know that on some level he has comforted you in times where it seemed like you should have fallen apart. You should have broken down. But the Holy Spirit was sent to be the comforter and you call him my comforter because he's been your comforter. Some of you would say he's my fortress or, or my rock or my strong tower. Some of you call him father because that's what he's become to you. There, there's some of you, there's some, some men in this woman room and there's some ladies in this room. Maybe your woman or your man walked out on you, but you call him God faithful in the midst of a world that wasn't faithful. And some of you, you don't know where to turn and so you call him, Lord, would you be my guide? And some of you, when you're alone and you feel like you're friendless, he becomes a friend that sticks closer and you You say, God, you are my my friend. Those of you who are aware of your own sinfulness, when you call him in repentance, you say, Lord, would you be my savior? Others of you, he is Lord, He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is the master and the orchestrator of your life. The name reveals the intimacy. How well do you know him? See, here's the thing. Something amazing happens when you earnestly seek him and you have an encounter with a holy God, something transformational happens. When God's presence and God's spirit takes up residence in you, you're never the same. And some of us just need to find a way to get along with God and ask God to be for us what he knows we need him to be. To just fill us up with his presence, and with his power, to remake us, to renew us, to change us and make us different. And Hebrews says that he is a rewarder of them who diligently, what? Seek him. Do you remember this? And that that he's a rewarder. And what's the reward? Now, here's the thing. The reward is that inner sense of peace that God is with you, that when he says yes, and when he says no, and he says nothing at all, he's still with you. But he says to you, even when you don't know where he's at and what he's doing, that I have a plan and I have a purpose for your life and a will and I want you to discover it with me and I want you to love me and I want to have a kind of relationship with you that is personal, that is intimate and that's never going to happen with buffet Christianity. It's never going to happen. So it's am going to happen behind what Jesus taught the, the, the disciples and, the, and, and he said, go into your, 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 your closet, shut the door and get alone with your father in a time that you've carved out for God. All right, I got more, but I can't do it, all right? I want want us to stand, and I want us to sing this new song. It's not really that new, but we haven't sang it here. And then we're we're gonna sing this song, and I want you to learn it, and I want this to become your prayer. This is what I want you to do. As you learn this song, it's very easy, but as you begin to sing it, maybe you just close your eyes, maybe you lift your hands, maybe you do whatever you do, but this song becomes your prayer, and this is what you're asking God to do in your life in response to this, this message, all right? Let's sing this song.
1: Sing it. Worthy of every song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for You. We sing holy and holy. There is no one like You. There is none beside You. open up my eyes in wonder, show. no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder show me who you are and fear I will build my life up.
0: You got time. We're over. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry we went long. But I, I'd love, for those of you who have time, the rest of you, if you need to go, I totally, I totally understand. But would you come and, those of you who would like to receive the elements, the the, the, the communion, would you come and just get one of these? And we're going to sing this one more time. Here you guys go. Grab one of these. Grab one and maybe pass it around. If you, if you don't mind, just squeeze in real quick. We're a family here. Let's just hang out for just a second. There's some more right here if anybody needs them. Just gonna, we're gonna remember his love, his sacrifice. We're gonna build our hearts, our lives upon his love, which was demonstrated us to us on the cross. Amen. Somebody, it was demonstrated to us there. If you don't mind, if you got one of these, did everybody get them back there? You guys want them? Hey, take that whole bowl and take them back there. For those who want it back there in the back. Grab them up real quick. There's no pressure. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. But if you want to, if you got a moment. Let's remember the sacrifice, the love of God that was laid down for us on the cross. Just grab that piece of bread right there. Take it out, would you? Lord, we remember your body, which was broken for us. We take this bread in remembrance of what you did for us. We take it in the name of Jesus. Would you take it? Lord, we take this cup which represents the blood which was poured out for the the forgiveness of our sins, oh God. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. So we just, we look to your cross where once and for all, you paid the price for our sins. So we remember that, Lord, today. We take the cup in Jesus' name. So
1: I will be none beside
0: thank you for your patience with us, Lord, as we just endeavor, God, to know you better, to know you more. God, there's, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Nobody leaves here and condemned, God, but we just want to be aware of kind of where we're at, Lord, on our journey, and we want to just take next steps, Lord, whatever that looks like for us. We want to seek you, Lord. We want to know you. We want to build our lives, not on our own foundations, God, because that's shifting sand. It's going to wash away We want to build our life on your love and on your word. And Lord, in the parable where we talk about this, you said that those who actually do what you say are the ones who build their lives on the rock. May we be those kinds of folks, Lord. May we take literal words of the Lord, the Bible. May it become our firm foundation and may we walk in that, I pray. And you bless, would you bless these folks? Would you grace them on their way out, God? Would you give them an amazing week? Would you bless their homes and their finances and their families, God? Would you protect them? Would you lead them? Would you guide them? Would you continue to grow them all up? In your name, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. One more time, God, one more time. Amen. We love you, Lord. Amen.